Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Clark Blue Podcast. I've got a smile on my face tonight. It's uh, Aston Villa 4, Bolton Wanderers 1 in the second round of the Carabao Cup. My name is Dan Rowance. I'm joined by John Townley. Uh, if anyone saw our last episode, it was all a little bit doom and gloom. We were all a little bit negative and depressed, which, you know, rightly so, in my opinion. And I said in that, you're only as good as your last game. And the last game is a 4-1 win. Yes, it was against League 1 opposition. We'll kind of keep that and say it quietly. We'll get that caveat out of the way early doors. But the win's a win. It's nice to score some goals, and I already feel a little bit better. Um, what date should I book my hotel for Wembley? <laughs> even, if even if it's just for one night, we can celebrate the win, can't we? Yeah, of course, a, a win. A bit of a scare at the start, but four goals in the end. It, it was comfortable coming from the 80th minute. No, it's, yeah. it's all, back to winning ways. Um, you know, a win's a win. People are just going to go, it's only Bolton, it's only the League Cup. It doesn't really matter. But you know, it's if you can't accept the wins when they come, you know, what, what is the point? Um, we'll go through it chronologically, as we always will. I mean, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be because it feels like once you go 3-1 up and then 4-1 up, it's all a little bit standard, standard procedure. This is what we expected. So I don't know how much we can say, really. If it if it had stayed 1-0 Bolton all the way through, it's <laughs> been a longer podcast, a bit of a debrief about what the hell is going on. But thankfully, that's not the case. Um, but we will start chronologically with when the team news came out. We did kind of suspect it might be a stronger team. I think Ash's predicted 11 had Augustinson in there, Ashley Young at right back, Olsen in goal, and then pretty much the rest of the team as it was. Uh, he possibly had Ramsey in there for Louise, I can't remember. But it was a pretty much first choice team, apart from Ashley Young in for Matty Cash. The rest of it was a side that you would expect to see in the Premier League. Were you kind of surprised by that, or did you expect that? Uh, I think a couple of decisions I was a bit surprised at. I thought Robin Olsen would start in goal. I think that mm. decision in itself, when you look at the team sheet, first thing you look at is Emi Martinez, and I'm thinking, oh, Gerard's going for that. Um, you know, it's a kind of it's a game that we we have to win, and to not even play Olsen, who Gerard rates really highly as well. You know, obviously Sweden international uh, signed for like three million this summer, um, but doesn't get a game in the Carabao Cup. It's that to me that was a bit strange, but fair enough. And then. The rest of the team, I wasn't actually too surprised by, to be fair, Dan. I thought we'd go to up front and I thought mm. we'd go as full strength as you know possible. I think, obviously, you've got Bailey and Archer that I thought might have got a game. Um, but, yeah, continue on the pitch, get, get him a bit, bit confidence, Watkins as well. And then behind that, Louise, Kamara and McGinn. I think that's quite a solid midfield. It's probably something that we'll probably go for against West Ham. Um, Jack mm. Ramsey scored the goal at the end, but I think that's how it'll stay now. But no, I think from back to front it's probably what I expected I thought actually only say would get a game um, but I'm not sure where Augustinson is don't know if Gerald will say so enough with the game but I presume Matt Cash would have started and Young would have gone left back um, oh sorry I would have thought Augustin would go left back and then hmm. um, Young go right back as as we saw but no yeah you, you do wonder whether there's maybe a fitness issue there that he's not quite ready and up to speed to go Perhaps. potentially um, I mean Luka Dean's got the goal so 
Yeah, that's, yeah. that's nice, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was a little bit surprising. The keeper is the obvious choice, isn't it? You've got a cup keeper usually. Like if Robin Olsen or Augustinson aren't going to get minutes in the second round of the Carabao Cup, when will they get minutes for Villa? Yeah. You know, this is this is the time to play them. Um, not really going to dissect it too much because we've won four one without them, so you know, it doesn't really matter. I would have gone as strong as possible as well. We said earlier before the game, it did have this potential to be a bit of a banana skin and had more pressure on it than it needed to because of the start to the season we've had in terms of performances. Obviously, we all know we won that Everton game. Besides that, you said we probably should have thrown that Everton game away and we've lost the other two in, in pretty poor manner as well. Yeah. So there's pressure on this on TV. I mean, Bolton go one nil ahead and that first 30 minutes in particular, the whole, whole first half really was... Is still concerning. There's a few comments saying, you know, yeah. don't know why you're smiling so much. That, that you know, that first half was a worry, and it, it was, and we will go into that. This was set up to be a bit of a banana skin, and it, it all could have gone wrong, and, and that's that is how it started. And I was concerned when that first goal went in. I thought, oh, <laughs> this is this is bad. This is really really bad. bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm nervous. I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what the podcast is going to be like later. Like all these thoughts going through my head. Well, what's work going to be like for the next week? Oh no, what what the hell is going on? Um, but it's good just to get over the line. I think the phrase I've used on the Facebook post I've done tonight, I think I've used job done two or three times already because that's all it was about in the end. Get the win, scoring a few goals is nice, but ultimately just get yourselves into the next next um, next round, get, you, get the ball in the hat, get a win and try and take something from today into Sunday. That's that's the main takeaway. Yeah. Um, we'll kind of come to that afterwards, but let's go to the first half. So I said we do this in order. What happened in the first half? Why was that so bad? Because at the times you, you wouldn't know. The, the, I think that says it was like thirty-eight league places between the two sides. Villa in the Premier League, Bolton in League One. Our squad, something like two hundred and fifty million or something, and yeah. theirs four hundred thousand. You couldn't tell which side was in which division in that first thirty minutes for me. It was a very even matchup, and, and Bolton were on top for large parts. So that is still a concern, no matter what the yeah. result was in the second half. Definitely, I think we. We just came out as we finished Crystal Palace, didn't we? Even though obviously a few players different. I think again, like you look at thirty-eight league places, but nothing was that wasn't showing. And cup games can be like that, but I think because it's Villa, it's more worrying that because as, as I said before, we haven't potentially got that sort of style of play. We're we're not really breaking down opponents, and we look quite sluggish in midfield. And then defence were a bit shaky, and all of that was still the same against Bolton, League One Bolton. Um, to their credit, I thought they were really good. To be fair, uh, they were mm-hmm. up and out. I suppose that's what you expect. But I think they made a few changes from their last league game. I think they lost uh, lost two 0 to Sheffield Wednesday. So it was a game. It was just it was, it was a banana skin. There was a reason why the sky cameras were there, as Gerard said. Um, but no, ultimately, it's again to me that's alarming. We spent half an hour on the back foot against against Bolton. Um, and it's not an intimidating place to go either. I think this. Mm. Like you can go to a League One team, and it's like a small pitch, and it's very cramped, and the fans are on top of you. Um, Bolton isn't that. It's a nice pitch. It's quite a big pitch, and you know there's quite a lot of empty seats. To be fair, um, you can only hear the Villa fans. So in that respect, it was a bit. It was almost strange. So it felt like a cup game, but in a way, it didn't. It almost felt like almost pre-season in the first mm. sort of half, like really level. Um, but no, alarming how just say we we didn't look like combining at the top of the pitch and then in defence like the, their, say their goal Kamara makes the tackle and Louise gets stuck on the ball and they um, and they sort of you know punish us for that and again like where are we sort of going with that uh, I think the second half so we we got better in the our, our quality showed but no in the first half I was um, 
sort of lost with it all again. You're kind of thinking this is Palace all over again, but it's worse. Mm. So it's just boring and there's, there's more riding on this game in terms of the magnitude of what would have been if we hadn't come back. Yeah, it's unthinkable losing tonight. It was it was almost win at any cost. I don't I wouldn't have cared yeah. how it would have mattered really yeah. if it was a. I mean, we'll come on to the Danny Ings thing. I don't think it was a penalty. It was probably offside. So I mean, that kickstarts the the revival, doesn't it? So probably got away with it on there, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, was just, it was just win and get. Oh yeah, it just win, get away with it, go through to the next round, take something yeah. to Sunday. The second half performance was much better. I think the, you know, the last 15 minutes or so, really convincing. Stretch the game, bit of pace up there. Expect us to do what we did. I almost don't want to even give it too much credit because that's what we should have done for the first 10 minutes, to be honest. What it should have been like, and I don't want to disrespect Bolton and any Bolton fans that stumble upon this, but I'm about to be disrespectful. But the side that we put out, that should have been like a training exercise for Villa. We should have penned them into their own half, into their own, into their own box, basically, really deep, pinged it around them, really took control, got an early goal, been two or three up by 20 minutes and we'd have all been sat back on our deck chairs with our feet up and the players could have done the same in the second half, make some changes, get the first teamers off, convincing, move on. That's how it should have been. Mm -hmm. I know football isn't as simple as that, but that's how it should have gone. The fact that the first half is still bringing us concerns to go, "Mm, still not quite sure about a pattern of play, I I still don't know what our best side is. It's League One Bolton, like, it should have been a lot more convincing than that. I don't want to get too kind of downbeat on it like I said I opened this podcast with a smiley intro saying let's be positive but it was a game of two halves first half had me concerned second half made me think okay we've got enough to get it over the line but can we do that in the Premier League that's the that's the you know the measuring stick isn't it do that against yeah. West Ham exactly I, again I think it's because we've come off that bad run not, not even bad run it's more just three games but yeah yeah but it's the way we're playing it's the way we've played over mm. the last you know, since we ended last season, the last how many games is that? Almost 10, 15 games. I think it's four wins in 14 in league games. Um, but it's so it's, it's how we're playing. It's not necessarily the results, even though that's massively important. But when you're coming off the back of that and coming into Bolton, you expect us to be under the cosh a little bit um, inside 10 minutes because it, you say, we are at the end of the day, it's a cup tie and these players, League One players, playing on Scottish. game for them, of course. They're going to be at it. You know, if they can't get up for that, they're never going to get up for a game, you know, again in their careers. So they're going to be at it. But you do expect Villa to not make the mistakes that we did make. Um, and throughout the game as well, individual mistakes. I think, you know, you're looking at McGinn wearing the captain's armband should be better. I think Kamara as well was too rash. I think he made too many fouls. And See how he didn't get booked. Did he, did he not get booked? <laughs> Pray, uh, well, I don't know whether he did in the end, but there was a point where he definitely should have and he still got away with it. I don't know whether he got one after that or not. I should know, but I don't. At least seven or eight, maybe even ten bitty fouls. Um just being too sort of overzealous. Um, yeah, so that kind of different, different mis- not necessarily individual mistakes, but different um, issues that we sort of dealt with throughout the game and sort of go over the line with a bit of quality in the final third. Uh, but no, alarming, I'd say the first half an hour was a ki- kind of a continuation of what we've seen. Um, so that's not, I mean, that's not great, but at least we ended the game on a positive note. Can we take that mm. into West Ham? Almost like we've kind of walked into this game on the back foot as we were against Palace. Can we take this and use a bit of momentum? But ultimately, I'm still kind of sitting here with questions about, you know, style of play and partnerships and and whatnot. Yeah, I've got almost thinking through in my head there. I'll just try to have a Google of a quick match report. There's one on the Villa website that's got a yellow card. I've only scanned it quickly. It says one yellow. I can't see who that was for. I don't think it was. Um, come on, I'm sure somebody else got one. Somebody like I think it was the Yeah, I think he, Yeah. So, yeah. 
Kamala didn't. Um, and I was just thinking about how the goals went and we're saying, you know, first half was rubbish, second half was much better. But first goal comes from a very fluky set piece that Douglas Ruiz has scored from. He's done it in War- against Warsaw, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so maybe this is a, is a technique. I think it was you and me after the last game said about what does Austin McPhee do? And forget corners and set piece routines, just get Douglas Ruiz to shoot every time. Shoot. It's, it, it's two from, uh, you know, four or five games in pre-season today. So Ruiz can shoot from every corner from now on. And then the second goal, the, the Ings penalty. He's offside, and I don't think it was a penalty. He's, he's dispatched it well, you know, it's all nice and, and well and all good. But if that was against us, I'd be going, oh, we've been really hard done by with that penalty. So we've got back into the game, which is the main thing. But even that's a fluky set, set piece and a penalty. We haven't really yeah. created much tonight. No, I think I think our XG was really low. I think Pat, I can't, I can't remember to be fair, I think it was 0. Yeah, 0. 0.8 something. Something, yeah, nowhere near where it should be. And to be fair, I do, I do remember, I think Watkins had a half chance in the first half, I believe. Um, hit the post, didn't I, we, as well? Danny Ings hit the post. Yeah. We had had a, uh, Watkins had a one-on-one, which he probably should have done better with, to be honest. Yeah. But we, we, had, we had chances, but... Oh, it was the, it's the eye test, isn't it? In the final third, are we linking play? Not really. I think in the second half, you, there was obviously a few combinations of Danny Ings and Luca Dean and, mm. and whatnot. That's Danny Ings putting out to the left wing. Do we need him there? I'm not sure. Um it was the combinations, the partnerships. It's not, it's not, it's not clicking. And if it's not clicking in the first half against Bolton, um, and you've got Coutinho on the pitch, Watkins, Danny Ings, these players aren't new signings. They've been playing with each other for thirty games under Gerard now. Um, so we need to be seeing more of that. And I think Gerard almost used this game as a not again. Don't want to be disrespectful, but almost like an exercise. Can, can you can you start to form those partnerships and, mm. and sort of that telepathy that we haven't quite seen yet? Um, I don't think we saw it today either. But again, it's it's about getting through. But I, I don't think Gerard's going to be um, necessarily smiling on the bus on the way back. I think he's, again, probably scratching his head a little bit, thinking, I wish that happened or um, I wish my two strikers would be linking you know, better than what they were. There's a, a, a comment from Phil Curley. He says, so many negatives, we just won 4-1, lads. Yeah, I, I agree. There's no point being all you know downbeat over it. Um but I think, judging from the, the, the there's 500 people watching, which is a lot for 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night, so thank you for tuning in. There is a lot of comments saying the same kind of things, you know, unconvincing and stuff like that. Yeah. So a question to you, John, and it's a question to the 500 people watching, if they want to drop a comment below, what were the positives? Yeah, well, or we got something we can hang out on and say that's a positive? I think your positives are, your Leon Bailey's coming off the bench again, making an impression, showing that pre-season wasn't sort of... Um, you know what? What we sort of dreaded, yeah. In terms of Leon Bailey's signing, he's only played well in pre-season. Uh, again, granted, it's legal opposition. For me, the positives you just getting through. I don't think this was a game where we could have too many positives because whatever happened, it's always the caveat of it's legal opposition. Well, yeah, the flip side is if we go really positive and go, oh yeah, it's great finish here, and this was good, and this was good, everyone go, yeah, it was only Bolton lads, calm down. Chill exactly. out, it was only League One, so like you know, we're expected to win. Yeah, and I think it's magnified again because of the form that we've had since the back end of last season, it, it, it's all relevant still for me. So now it's now coming in. Um, mm. And if, again, anything but a positive result would have been a massive negative, obviously, but even getting that result, it's kind of like, you, you've done your job. Let's move on. And if, you, if you back it up against West Ham, then this is a, to me, that's yeah, like, absolutely, right, yeah. Because now that's a, that that was your platform to get that win against Bolton, and then you and then you move on. I think we did that in the championship. I know that's a different period of time, but that's just you know, in terms of momentum in football, we know that that can happen. Uh, so maybe that's a, this can be a platform. Who knows? But if it's not, and we we turn up against West Ham and we're 
and we're not competing at the level that we should be, then getting through against Bolton, you can't really, you know, that's giving out positives for the hell of it for me because no one's, surely no one was thinking that we were going to Bolton not expecting to win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a few comments that have come in. Um, I try and do as many as I can. James Saunders says that Young was really good. I thought he did do well at right back. Do, fair. Yeah. Um, this is the list of positives, by the way. Chris says we won. Which, yeah, simple, simple enough. That is the main positive. As UK Quit says, the main positive is that we won. Andy says I'm not getting carried away with this win. And Jim says it papers over the cracks. Nothing more. Um, what else we got? Adam Morris says 100% Bailey as a positive. Which yeah, I think he was good. And Craig positives minutes for people and confidence. Um, but like you said, it's all about taking that confidence, a couple of goals into West Ham. If we start West Ham sluggish and you come out and thinking, we don't look ready for the start of a Premier League game and West Ham score early or something like that, you'll think, well, what was the point of scoring four goals? You've got to get through what's in front of you, but we've got to see it backed up in the Premier League now because that's you know, that's the main thing, isn't it? You've got to be good in your league games as well. So um, Ings look good. Uh, Ings and Archer. Yeah, Archer coming on. I wasn't sure about Archer. There's a lot of talk in the last few days since Palace about maybe Archer going out on loan. And there was a comment from Gerard after Palace saying we'll do right by Archer in terms of you know giving him minutes elsewhere, I guess, if he, if he's not going to play here. I think a lot of people thought he might start tonight because it's a cup game. You rotate the squad. He played in the Carabao Cup last year against Barrow and Chelsea. When he didn't come on, when they, we made the triple substitution, I thought, hmm. Is he not coming on because they don't want to cup tie him because he's going to go out on loan somewhere? And he comes on, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, but there's a few people. Um, yeah, John, off you go. Um, <laughs> there's a the couple of stars that he was linked with. Watford, West Ham, uh, West Brom have gone out of the, the cup this round anyway. So um, it doesn't matter whether he's cup tied or not. I don't know what I think about Archer. He looked ready to me, so I would keep him around. And at the moment, we play two strikers again, so we've got three strikers at the club at the moment. So you keep him around. Yeah, it's. I'm not surprised he didn't start, just because we've had that. We've had that sort of talk about Watford and obviously Ismaili Sar and Gerard potentially using him as a almost mm. in a swap deal. So it wasn't. I wasn't particularly surprised that he wasn't used tonight. But then at the same time, what? <laughs> Where where does come in terms of Cameron? Where where's he sort of? What's he thinking? Where where does he stand in the last eight days of the transfer window? How it's seven days we have got now? I think is say the guy's ready to play. And I, I th- like does he is Ollie Watkins or Danny Ings more worthy an opportunity than Cameron Archer? I don't, I don't think they are at the moment. I think throw him in, let, let him have a go, and that doesn't have to be from the start of a Premier League game. But it just seems that he's almost been. Is almost a bit useless at the moment in terms of being in a matchday squad. He, he's, he's a spare not, part, not, isn't he? He's he is. not getting time. So you might, from, from right. a personal develop point of view, taking away the Aston Villa bias from it, and this is what Gerald's saying in terms of we'll do right by him. If he's not going to get enough minutes at Aston Villa and he's going to get, I don't know, 10% of minutes every week by coming on for maybe 10 minutes a game, you might as well send him out on loan, take him to the Championship and let him score 15 goals, Thank 20 goals. Norwich for, for him and for Aston Villa for next season to come back and go right. He's definitely ready now. He scored 18 goals in, in the championship last year with QPR, who finished sixth. He's ready for us. I get that in terms of development. I think he's ready to go now. In in terms of us not being able to link up uh, up front very well, having issues with Ings in terms of his age. He's only a little injury away from missing games. Then you've got Ollie Watkins and no one else. Ollie Watkins needs maybe two or three chances, four chances to score a goal anyway. 
So yep. keep, I'd keep him, but if he goes out, you've got to suggest that Gerard doesn't think he's ready or isn't going to get enough minutes, so he's yeah. sending out on loan to to do right by him to be ready. I'm happy with that. I think whatever whatever the answer, whatever the question is, the answer is that the guy has to be playing football, and whether that's in the championship for a season yeah. and getting up to 20 goals, or that's playing for Villa. Either way, the guy has to be playing. I think that's that's the um, the conclusion. But I can't see that happening with Villa in the Premier League, whilst Gerard clearly. Um, and maybe that's right. It's so that he fancies Watkins and Ings to experience Premier League strikers cost the club 60 million quid. Um, so you kind of have to go with that decision. But if I'm Archer, I'm kind of questioning because I think it was after the preseason tour, Gerard said uh, that he's definitely staying. Mm. And now it's going to be, might have offloaded him to Watford for a year and getting sorry instead. I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit of a murky one. I think we've talked about it before to to say that there's a pathway to the first team and he will get minutes and he, if you're old enough, you're ready, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets a five-year contract and then he doesn't really feature at all, doesn't do much tonight. He gets, what, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I think. And there's rumours about, is he going to go out as part of the SAR deal and all those kind of things. That's a bit conflicting to me because that says that he isn't ready. You don't you don't trust to throw him in yet, which is fine if, that, if they don't think he's ready and they'd rather he go out to the championship for a season. I get that. But Surely that decision but, should have been made a few weeks ago. And then yeah, it would be on loan at the start of the season, a championship club, full season, but hey, it's only three or four games in. He showed what he could do with only, only half a year at Preston. So there's no sort of rush on the kid. He's, he's 20, um, plenty of years ahead. I trust the club to make the right decision, but it's a bit, yeah. seven days of the window remaining. It's one to keep an eye on for sure. I think if we're playing two up front, with the number 10 behind, and we've got Ings and Watkins, if Archie goes out on loan, who plays up front? Mm-hmm. Leon Bailey come on as a sub and play up, up front? square pegs around holes isn't it you might as well keep them around I don't know it's a difficult one like you said you've kind of got to support the club with whatever they want to do because they know best they see him every day they know the situation more so than us but we're not the only fans here watching him in dribs and drabs going I think he's ready so it's slightly disappointing if he doesn't get enough minutes to prove that he is ready Um, another one that's been in the comments a lot um, actually we'll stay with positives first of all who else stood out we talked about Bailey, we talked a bit about Archer. Anyone else you can hang your hat on and say that they had a good game? Uh, again, it's, it's tricky because calibre of calibre. I, I think um, Douglas Louis yeah, they might have had the best game, but I, just, I like that blend of midfield. Uh, so I'm, I'm a massive fan of Jacob Ramsey, but just in terms of a Premier League game, I think at the moment we're getting, not necessarily overrun, but I don't think we've got control of games. We're going long, we're... We're not keeping the ball. I think Douglas Luiz, again, he might have had the best game in the world today. It's, it's, it gets bold and it's hard to judge. But you know what you're going to get from Luiz and it's not going to be a 10 out of 10 every week, but you might just get a 7 for 10 games. And then that mm. might be enough to allow Kamara to do his thing, allow for McGinn to you know get back in form, I suppose, uh, allow the, the front three to do their stuff. Because he's good on the ball. I think you come on against... Uh, Palace and had two key passes in the game, which is more than any other Villa player in the space of like a few minutes he was on the pitch. So, when well, his stats better than McGinn's in the 15 minutes he played against Palace than McGinn's were in the 65, yeah. 75, yeah. 75. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the one player that we have in that midfield that can just keep the ball. And I don't include Sanson because clearly he's not in the plans. He wasn't in the squad tonight, was it? I don't know if that was injury or his head. Oh, I'll, give you a, I'll give you an update on that in a second, John. We'll come to that. Breaking news. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, th- I think Louise is probably my only other positive in the game. But if you ask me that question after West Ham, I hope we have more positives than just Ashley Young and mm. Douglas Louise. Well, if Ashley Young is a positive, something's gone wrong. We might have <laughs> <Yeah>. somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, a couple of bits of housekeeping for him. I don't know whether this is a Gerard press conference or a Sky Sports uh, interview after the game. Uh, Augustinson had a small issue with his knee, so he missed out for, for Villa. Uh, he could be back available for the weekend. Sanson and Nakamba both fit, but not selected. Uh, that's come from Greg Evans, uh, from Ash, um, on Douglas' corner goal. Gerard said, I can guarantee everyone that wasn't a fluke because I've seen the exact same thing yesterday. So in less than 24 hours, he's done the same thing twice. Um, as we said, he also did it against Walsall in pre-season as well. And there was one from Villa Report. I think that was from Ash as well. Uh, from Gerard, we're working behind the scenes on a few different situations to try out the team and the squad stronger and better prepared from now till January. Um, so from what you've seen in the first four games now, what what do we still need in your opinion? I mean, I think a centre-half, but then it's tricky because we're missing Diego Carlos, but you're not going to get a player of his calibre through the door in the last seven days of the window unless it's a, unless it's a loan deal and you can bring someone in who, who can do a job. But again, it's not Carlos's quality. Uh, where else do we need? I think a midfielder, but it's, it's tricky. We've had months to do this and I think the, the club themselves have obviously targeted Kamara and Carlos as the main two kind of priority players mm. so I can't I can't don't want to, well I do want to drink actually I can't see any big money transfers coming in and players that are going to drastically change the team uh, it, it, it's not like really to do that in sort of the last minute and I know we've just gone after Saar but that seems to be almost like an opportunistic thing of it's a championship player it's probably worth more than 20 million quid um, but we haven't got him for obvious reasons I think that they're probably looking at another forward still obviously because of Saar and then I'm, I remember a few months ago, Gerard asked him about um, attackers. Has he got the right players to fit system, etc.? And he was he said he wants more. He wants more in his attack. Uh, that was before we signed Kamara and Carlos. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's almost a list of attackers that they've got. Um, mm. Maybe after Saar, there's a second possible uh, second option. Apart from that. You- I, I've been wanting a ball playing midfielder, someone like a Douglas Louise, since the start of the window. But again, in the last last few days of the window, are we going to get that or the kind of player that's going to propel us well up the league? Like if we bought Morgan Morgan Sanson in the last few days, and that's completely hypothetical now from Marseille, we'd probably be thinking, oh, that's a Champions League player and he's um, you know a, a high quality player. But then look at what's happened. So it's. Mm. Every sign is a risk. It's never always going to go. Oh, people, a lot of people in the comments saying about somebody like Conor Gallagher. If we signed him, we'd be delighted with that. But it doesn't. It's not necessarily. That it's going to work out. I do think we need one midfielder, possibly two, depending on what system you play. Got to be the right player because yeah, again, yeah, of course. I always gone to. We bought him for seventeen million two years late. He's gone to Turkey, same as. Um, mm. as Trezzy again. These players have all been have all contributed well, but we're now at a level where we have to go one up, where it's. Uh, mm. A Conor Gallagher has that's the benchmark for me that they have to be that and better to, to get mm. ahead of a Newcastle ahead of a Man United because we'll just, be, we'll just be treading water if we're buying players who are just as good as them again or just as good as whatever we've yeah. already got they have to be better and in the last seven days of the window are we going to get that I highly doubt it unless it's some impressive bit of scouting that has gone under the radar but again we haven't done that in the last few years so I'd, I'd be um, I'd be surprised if we're sort of bringing out other big deals to get players that drastically improve us and that's probably what we need, though. Yeah, you'll definitely see a centre-half because Courtney Hawes has gone out on loan. So we've only got three now, first team. You've got Josh Feeney, but he's 17. If he's got to be thrown in at the deep end, that's... that's no, it's it's just, that's so I don't know whether, yeah, whether that, that centre-half will be a, you know the fourth body to compete for a third-slash-second spot. 
or whether it yeah. will be somebody of a good quality to replace Carlos and start every game. Again, don't know who's available, who comes with eight days left in the window, whether we can afford what we can afford, permanent signing, loan signing, whatever it might be. Midfield, like I just said, I wouldn't mind somebody sat next to Kamara as a two and then having Louise, Ramsey or McGinn slightly further forward of those two, not quite as a number 10, but further forward than those two. And then two wingers and a striker. I think that's a decent option. Somebody who can pass the ball, progress the ball, look after things, tidy it up. That makes sense. But again, a, a box-to-box number eight as well. A second midfielder you might need. I, I don't want to dig McGinn out, but I'm not the only one because there's a lot of comments about him. As your captain, I don't think that was a great game for him against the League One opposition. I think it's McGinn or Ramsey. I think they're competing for the same spot. So if Kamara's in there as well, Louis has looked okay when he's come on, so he, he's definitely an option. I still think you need one more in there to at least up the, up the standard a little bit. And then if some one of those three isn't playing great, you do look to Morgan Sanson, who not physically him, but that calibre of player where you go, oh, that should be a good signing. You look to him on the bench and go, okay, he's ready to go in now because Ramsey's not played great or McGinn's not played great. So you do need some depth in there. Striker, I doubt it. If we sell if we loan Archer, are we going to get another striker in? Maybe, but why loan Archer? Unless this new striker is far and away better than the ones we've already got. So definitely a centre-half, at least one midfielder, I would say. If I was being picky, I would like two um, and possibly a forward because if the Saar thing is evidence that we're after a winger, yeah. maybe a forward as well. I mean, Joe said a few, so I don't yeah, know what a few is, more than two. I mean, one of them's a centre half. I would have thought one of them's a midfielder and one of them's going to be a forward, but I, I don't think it's going to be a striker or someone who can play the centre forward role. To me, that market's already it's wild. Like Skamaka going for nearly 40 million, I think it was. Anthony Warden going for 60. There's no. Ollie Watkins is a £50 million player. Danny Ings, obviously, we bought for £30 million. We're not spending anywhere near that on a striker. And are they going to mm. improve the ones that are beneath? And they're not. If you want a top, top striker these days, Tammy Abraham's, what, £70 million now? Like, it's crazy. I think maybe a striker is something that we look at next season, um, next summer, sorry, mm. when you've... So, uh, to be honest, I think this summer it was the midfield and the defence, but now it seems we've got even more problems than we probably thought. Um, or maybe more holes to fill, more depth that's needed. But yeah, next summer maybe a striker. Not this, not this summer. It's the market's crazy for strikers. Too many teams need one, and there's not enough going around. So I wouldn't touch that. It's I think you're you're paying way over the odds for players in the, mm. in that position at the moment. Um, there was a lot of comments about McGinn, but they were early in the show, and I can't scroll back that far. Um, but there is one from Ian who says, I think it's unfair to target McGinn. He had a mixed bag game. He certainly wasn't poor. But there was a lot of comments before saying that he was like the weak link tonight. So I don't, am I being harsh to single out? I'm not singling out McGinn, but I'm just mentioning I don't think he had a great game. I don't think he's had a great, great season so far, to be honest. Although, I mean, who has <laughs> had a great season so far and the performance we've given? But if you're looking up to him as captain now, I elevate a captain to be a better standard because he's the leader of the team. I look to him on the pitch and go, is he do, is he setting the standard? And if McGinn's having a bad game as captain, that doesn't yeah. set the right precedent for me. If Steven Gerrard was captain for Liverpool and had a poor game, that sets the tone. I mean, Steven Gerrard should know what take what it takes to be a good captain and to have to put him in good performances. I can see that you might have to give McGinn a little bit of time to settle into a new role and he's got different responsibilities now and he has got things away from the football pitch to think about as a captain now and whether that's extra pressure that is now relieved of Tara Mings and put onto John McGinn's shoulders. But I still expect more from my captain on the pitch to be better than he has been so far. Yeah. But maybe I'm being too harsh. I think that's the point that I've been raising as well. I wonder if 
everything that Gerard said about Mings in terms of the explanation of taking or stripping him of the armband and saying it will give him more confidence, it will allow him to focus on his own position. I wonder if everything he's said is now completely relevant to McGinn, which is obviously a problem. It almost feels like if you took McGinn's armband off tomorrow, then Gerard will be saying the same thing of, oh, he'll be able to concentrate on his own game and he'll be able to, you know, play his play his own football. And that's exactly what he said to Mings. I, I remember saying in the preseason preview to kind of prevent all of the little problems that could happen by passing an armband over, just give it to Emi Martinez. Like the guy's a natural leader. He's, he's Argentina's number one. He leads from the back. We have little leaders in the team. You have Danny Ings, McGinn, Mings. It's like a little hierarchy, like literally Ashley in the team. Ashley Young tonight. Ashley Young tonight and other players as well. We've seen any pros. But Martinez is always, I mean, even tonight, he's even playing against Bolton in the second round of the Carabao Cup. Like he's always there. You don't need, yeah, it, it's almost like a, it's almost a mental thing. They're only wearing a bit of, you know, it's just an armband for me. I think Martinez bit could have been, a bit of elastic. Literally threads on your arm. Like it's not, to me, it's not that deep. Like you, Martinez would have been the easy shout for me and it would just leave any of those problems. And I don't think John McGinn would be having a bit of a, a bit of a poor start to the season or a bit of a dodgy game against Bolton if he wasn't wearing the armband I know it sounds silly but mentally maybe he's just in a place of I know I need to perform and I know if we, if we don't play well like we haven't been playing the spotlight mm. comes back on me and it comes back on Gerard. it's almost like a little bit, bit of a pinball you know no one needs that and I, I wonder if Gerard's giving him the armband thinking it's a midfielder clearly the guy's infectious in terms of his personality and he's obviously yeah, of a good course league. that's not in doubt yeah he's vice captain of Scotland I believe so we all know he's there and the guy's a quality player in person but for me, Martinez was the was was the right choice just because it alleviates all the problems or problems that could have come from a captaincy. And we might this is we're only speculating, and we, we don't know if that's of course, maybe, yeah. maybe McGinn's got a niggle. We, we, we never know. Um, and, and, and he might thrive as a captain. He might be the best captain we've had in in years. You know, come the end of the season. So, but I just thought Martinez would have been a good call. Well, we're still in a, a cup competition that McGinn could go on to lift at the end of the season. Let's be positive, John, I remember. Um, let's read some comments out about McGinn, then I'll try and uh, do as many as I can as I did before. <laughs> we'll start with the first one that I can see from Shane. He says McGinn was awful. Uh, Adam Morris, our captain, should be consistent. Um, Milan, uh, McGinn gave the ball away so much. I want to love him, but he had no composure tonight. Uh, Jason says, I think, uh, again, a, a lot of stick players have dips in form. He's pivotal in getting us to the Premier League, so get behind him, yeah. That is fair. Um Aiden McGinn will come through, give him time. He's not the first captain to struggle after getting the armband. Yeah. Also fair. Faizan, uh, McGinn, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, by the way. McGinn was awful last season. James, McGinn was okay. Uh, anyone who's really pro McGinn here, just for sake of argument? Uh, not really. A lot of okays. Um, which, yeah, I mean, that's not great, is it? Headless chicken. Um, it was a mistake to make him captain. It's not that bad. You've been a little bit harsh. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe we are. Um, I love McGinn, but sometimes his game is shoddy. Yeah, I mean, there's a mix of mix of opinions there. I like him as a character. I like, you know, for a long time, I've liked him as a player, but we said last season, there's t- times where John McGinn has a great game and then three or four average ones yeah. or a couple of bad ones. And you do need a bit more consistently in the Premier League as a starting midfielder anyway. As captain of that side, again, you need to kind of elevate, elevate your game a little. And this all kind of coincides with Villa not having a great start. If Villa had won the first three games and McGinn had played poor throughout somehow, that would be a problem. But the team as a whole has been poor. Exactly. So uh, I kind, of, I kind of allow it just for now. The only the only thing I would say is that like, there's a moment where 
I said to my dad, he's, he's in like a sort of left channel area in McGinn and the, the defence was a bit split on Bolton. And he, I know that the Championship McGinn or the McGinn pre that sort of injury they had before COVID in our first season that we got promoted, he's bombing towards goal. Like he, he's gone. He's, you know, with his arms out and everything. And he's, no ball dogger. he's like a train. But I can't remember. I think he just packed. I think, it. I think James Rushton called it um, John McGinn time. There was a period in Addy time where he like picked up the ball in midfield yeah, and ran all the way to the corner in a, a home game, and it was like this is John McGinn's time to like burst into action. Yeah. Against it's been Black a while since we've seen that. Yeah, to go from right back to the left wing and got us a corner soon. But yeah, that's what you. That that's McGinn. Like McGinn when we're in the championship, he was lung busting up and down, doing everything. You couldn't stop him against Nottingham Forest away. It's like prime McGinn. That's what you want to see. But against Bolton tonight. I'm thinking your captain, you've got all of that still. Of course you have. But he kind of, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or if it's he's been asked to do something else, I'm not sure. But it was a perfect opportunity just to bomb on, just go. Like no one, no one's mm. stopping you. But he didn't. He either played out wide or sort of just kept possession. But you, you just want to see more of what McGinn, what we know he can be. And I don't, I think that's kind of come out of his game since that injury that he had in the one he suffered against Southampton in that 3 1 loss. I think it was December 20. 19 yeah because yeah, before then he had even in the Premier League like the, the goal against Spurs on the opening day when we got promoted the goal against Arsenal brilliant mm. performances and then you kind of after that I think he was rushed back a little bit in the project restart um, when, when when we started up in the season after that it was a good season last season we had and then and then here we are now so I, yeah I'm, I'm not sure there's obviously a player in John and we all know that but I want to see more of what he brought to the table when we're in the championship if you can bring that back then that's John Morgan as we know him and he's, he's unstoppable uh, when he well when he gets going and then we know that he's got that at the moment. I think he's, he's almost playing inside of him, mm-hmm. inside of himself for he's not being asked to do what we know he can do and I don't think that's the benefit to anyone really. So, Yeah, there's a couple of comments saying that the captaincy thing that we're talking about is a bit of an excuse because he was not great last season either and he wasn't captain then, which, yeah, that, that is fair. Uh, what captain. somebody just said, um, kind of given time kind of thing. Uh, oh, I can't find it. But basically, the point is Stephen Gerrard, who was one of the Premier League's best captains, has picked him as yeah. captain. So there's clearly something in there. I'm not going to write off John McGinn. There is, there is a little talent in there. And once Villa hopefully kind of click into gear with a bit of confidence, you'll see John McGinn play a better role in there, in a better side when Villa start to be better. Um, yeah. but because they've had a disjointed, kind of messy start to the season. Not, no one's really stood out, and, and you could hang your hat on and say, I've been Pat was talking the other day about. Ollie Watkins is a, is a shining light in the abyss of Aston Villa's bad start or something. I mean, that's, that's it, isn't it, really? Everyone else, Torremings, potentially, is another one. But besides that, we've not kept a clean sheet yet. Martinez hasn't looked the same player that he has been. We're talking about him as captain. He's not been great for the last few months either um, in spells. So it does feel a little bit difficult to single anyone out. But Yeah, and what, just on McGinn as well, I think if anyone knows what it takes to play for Villa and what, what the club means. Obviously, he's been here since, uh, well, before Mings was there, he's probably one of our longest players. He knows what it's yeah. all about. I know that might not carry a lot for fans sometimes when you're in the Premier League and we're trying to get into Europe. But he's been there and he's done it. He's seen what not necessarily success is like at Villa, but he's, do you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he hasn't been here in the doom and gloom. He, he knows what it's about. And um, yeah, I think I think everyone just want, wants him to kind of come back to himself a little bit and, mm. Especially now he's got the arm, the um, the armband as well. It kind of makes that yeah, everything's just illuminated. Should we say like times ten? Um, yeah, you know, I, I back him to kind of get get back to where he was. He, he just needs to show it from now because the longer it goes on, the longer he wears the armband, the more sort of criticism is going to come his way. I think. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, we'll end on a positive then. Uh, we'll try and end on a positive. <laughs> How do we take the last 20 minutes at least and the positive positivity in terms of scoring four goals against League One opposition? How do we take that into West Ham on Sunday and hopefully get a positive result there? Because that would really... I mean, the Villa fans, I will quickly mention, oh, well, obviously I wasn't there, I'm at home. On TV, they sounded loud, sounded really good, supported them throughout, lots of chances in favour of Steven Gerrard, Steven Gerrard's Kaku Army, Buendia uh, yeah. when he was on the bench, for Tara Mings, lots of good support there, which is what you want from anyone who's at the games. It does make a difference. It doesn't really matter what people are doing on social media because it doesn't affect people on the pitch. You can say what you like. But it's good to see the fans back in the team from minute one, even with the shaky start. So that's great. See more of that. Hopefully that kind of doesn't bleed into like the social media stuff doesn't bleed into the stadium too bad. Um, you know, no booze and stuff like that. So how do we take that into Sunday? Um, because that is not the bread and butter, but mm-hmm. if you're going to get a positive result against West Ham, it does really change the mood because already some people will feel slightly better having seen us just win tonight. I certainly feel better now than I did after Saturday. Yeah, exactly. You go, I think you're asking yeah, Gerard said in his press, like, you want that game to come as fast as possible after you've just had a bit of a shocker, um, which you did against Bowen. Uh, I think I called it the acid test West Ham because, I think I said previously, we always seem to come unstuck against them. They're, they're a big team. We know You know what you're going to get from them. But this season, they've mm. been off it, obviously, the bottom of the league. I don't think they've scored, scored yet. We know what's going to happen there. <laughs> how, how, how do you translate... Bolton to West Ham it's difficult I think there's not a lot that you can say there the only thing you can take out is a bit of momentum um, and then and then Leon Bailey playing well I think Wendy was good off the bench and little individual performances here and there but I, honestly I, it's not a great answer then but I don't think there's a lot that you can take from it going into West Ham they'll be they'll be eager to put themselves put themselves right I think Moisey will know as well like this is a Villa team that aren't in the best nick like going against Forest, you can excuse the defeat there because it's the first game at home. Brighton, although it's at home for them, Brighton are playing brilliant stuff at the moment. Graham Potter's a genius. Uh, so it's a genius. Yeah, yeah, he's playing against okay. Villa's definitely no at the moment. We're again four wins in fourteen. I think they're like oof, two wins in twelve. I think it is a one win in twelve. It's it's almost very uh, it's almost too even at the moment between us and West Ham. We've been playing the same colours. It's a bit weird now. Um, so yeah, I yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one to call, but I don't think there's much that we can really take into it. Who have West Ham got in the cup? They're playing the Europa League on Thursday. Yeah, the, oh, of course, yeah, they play Viborg on Thursday. I think so, that's, uh, that's away from home as well. It's only in Denmark, I think. I, mean, could be Denmark, if, yeah. I think if we were taking away our claret and blue pessimism for a little bit, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of, I can say a lot of neutrals would probably still look at Aston Villa and go, the favourites, I guess, being at home and bottom and, and West Ham. I guess we are the favourites. I don't know what the odds are, but West Ham haven't scored, they haven't won. They've got a Europa League game on Thursday. You said it's away. They've got to travel back. It's two o'clock kickoff. Villa have just won in the League Cup again, League One opposition. But the momentum is with us. Obviously, if West Ham go and win on Thursday night, they'll have a bit of momentum as well. But you still have Villa to go. If you were looking at this as a neutral, going West Ham haven't scored, they haven't won. Not surely Villa will have enough at home to to get through that. But I do, as a Villa fan, think, well, that won't last forever. They'll score at some point. We haven't kept a clean sheet yet, so they will exactly. score at some point and probably keep a clean sheet themselves. So you know, it's all set up for 
for a defeat and West Ham kind of suddenly clicking to gear. They're not going to lose four games in a row. But a lot of people who who didn't have that kind of Aston Villa pessimism would look at that and go, well, West Ham have been rubbish this season, so Villa should be okay there. I don't take a lot of that, though. No, and I take I take West Ham's results with a pinch of salt, too. The first game was against Man City, and they got undone by two goals on the break from Haaland. The second game, they somehow lost to Forest, even though... I think the yeah, Forest loads of chances, didn't they? The Forest should have had a red card. Sucho missed two chances at the bar. Missed a penalty. Declan Rice. They could have won that three-one on another day. And then they've you know, say been probably outdone by Brighton. But I don't think there's any shame in that at the moment. So they're three really tricky games. We've played mm-hmm. newly promoted Bournemouth, and again, all due respect to those teams, played Everton and scraped to win. We've got uh, beaten, well beaten by Palace, and we've um, had thirty minutes of a shaky game against Bolton. And it, of course, there's positives in that as well. But I'm just trying to sort of set the scene of West Ham are certainly not. Um, going into that game as as um, underdogs, should we say, or we're not out and out favourites as Villa fans, yeah. but maybe just being negative and pessimistic as as the season has started exactly how we didn't want it to. So. Yeah, we'll have a West Ham preview or a, a post presser chat on Friday with Ash. Um, obviously, Ash is at the game tonight, and it's a late one, so I said, you know, you get yourself back. Well, me and John will do the podcast tonight. If anyone's wondering where Ash was, um, it's a comment from Benny who says people said the same thing about Man United, and they finally turned up yesterday. So I'm sure West Ham will turn a corner at some point. Um, we'll see how they get up, on, get on in the Europa League on Thursday. How their squad's looking ahead of that game, but the momentum is with Villa to go and take take the game by the scruff, and they can prove a point. And we get get that win against a side that you know West Ham, if they do pull their finger out, is a top seven, top eight side. So if we can get get a get a result against them when they're vulnerable. Absolutely, take advantage of that and, and don't miss up the opportunity. If you come out of that game early doors and we're looking, thinking oh, we're not even ready here, and, and we go down early doors, then yeah, it's not great. But we'll talk about that later in the week. Um, but yeah, still in the cup, and let's talk about this earlier. Winning the winning the the League Cup as if that's yeah. an easy thing to do when we've been without a trophy my entire life and yours yeah. as well. Yeah. Winning the trophy is our best route into Europe. So it's, it's the easiest route. Oh, you've got to win you gotta win six games, is it? Second round, third round, fourth round. You make it sound easy, man. <laughs> well, it's easier to win seven games in the cup than it is to finish seventh in the league. See that when we get drawn against Man City away. Well, yeah, you you do need to look at the draw for sure. But if you, I mean, we got to the League Cup final in the the, 20, the, the 2020 yeah. season when we almost got relegated. So it's doable. I think it's final in 2015 as well. So mm-hmm. strange one that we have. We've obviously, we've only had poor seasons recently. Not recently, in, in the past decade anyway. And we've got to three or four cup finals, haven't we? So those semi-finals too. So mm-hmm. it's a strange one. Um, we have a sort of obviously we have a bit of romance with the cup anyway. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. I, I agree. I think that's probably our best route at the moment because I say at the moment, because are we going to be the, the sixth, seventh best team in, in England at the moment? It's um, not looking great, especially as I say Brighton has started well. Newcastle are really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure we'll be in the top 10 best teams in the league. Never mind, never mind the top six. Um, but yeah, the Cup is the best route to European football, win the trophy, get into Europe. If, you, uh, if we could finish 17th now, but won the League Cup and got into Europe. Would you take that? Uh, yes, because we've already had a <laughs> loads of <laughs> negativity already. It's <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'd say, I, I think I think you'd have to really because you kind of just have to go again. But no one wants to lose that many games in a season. Hmm. I only mentioned that because we talked about it in the season preview where Matt, yeah. Matt Kendrick said he'd be physically relegated in exchange for <laughs> a trophy, which I, I don't agree with at all. But I'd finish, I'd scrape survival 
on the final day. As long as if you said you're guaranteed to stay up, whatever the drama may be, you're guaranteed to stay up. But you win the League Cup, I'd take that because you enter Europe, you rebuild in the summer, and hopefully 17th is a, <laughs> a thing of the distant past, and you, you're much better the following season. But why we finish uh, yeah, 17th is probably a problem as well. But <laughs> yeah, we'll ignore all that. Um, but let's see how the cup draw goes tomorrow night. I think it's tomorrow night. I think yeah. Newcastle play on TV, so it should be after that. Um, if it's a, a decent draw, I mean, who would you like? I don't know why this question gets asked. I want the easiest team left, don't you? No. I want Crawley Town at home. Yeah, I don't know why people ask that on TV. Like, oh yeah, we want to go like you know, good away day or whatever. I want the easiest team. I want, I want, I want, I want a bite at the next round. Basically, I don't care who it is. I'd like um, any any Premier League team away from home. Or, to be fair, we, we don't usually get home ties. When was the last nah. time we had a This is the thing. Yeah, me and my dad were talking about this the other day. Like, there was, a, there was a scheme. I don't know whether they even still do it. Where if you had a season ticket, you used to get the first round of the League Cup. If it was at home for free, we, we had that had in... for ages because we've not been at home for the first round for ages, or we've Did been we knocked to... out in the first away game. Yeah, I can't remember the Wolves game at home. Did we have to pay for that back in 1920? That was later. That was later on in the draw, wasn't it? Wasn't that a couple of rounds in? Is it not the, first? the first round, or is it just the first? Because if the first game oh. was the semi-final at home, did they give okay. that for free? Probably not. Fifteen percent chance that you're at home in the first home at the home home draw. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there's a question here, and there's a lot of people have answered it, so let's answer it as well. If you could have any Villa midfielder from the past 25 years in this team, who would you take? Which is a really interesting question. We, we've done stuff oh. like this before. Uh, 25 years, so in our entire lifetime. Wow. Uh, basically, basically the whole of the Premier League, which is 30 years old this year. Um, the Wolves game was free, by the way. Thank you, James, for, for clarifying that. Oh no, Ben Chamberlain says we have to pay for the Wolves game, so that's not cleared that up at all. But yeah, any any player from the, the history of the Premier League, effectively, you can slot them in this transfer window. They play against West Ham at the weekend. Who do you go for? Villa player. Yeah, ex Villa oh. player. Ooh. I mean, in my twenty-five years, a bit past my lifetime. I, in my lifetime, it would. I think you'd have to say Gareth Barry. Mm. A couple of shouts for Gareth Barry. If you want to get, if you want to get technical, I don't. I don't think Gareth Barry is the sort of style of midfielder that we. <laughs> if it's a free Gareth Barry, stick stick that negative headline. John Townley wouldn't take Gareth Barry in his prime in this Villa squad. Get out of here, John. Yeah. Um, We're not live. Oh, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, a few people saying Gareth Barry, prime Milner. Yeah. Milner's a great shout as a central midfielder. Ian Taylor. Uh, Petrov, Ian Taylor, Paul Merson, some of the shouts in the comments here. 2010 Milner, yeah, decent. Um, Gordon Cowens, was he? He'd have been retired by then, only 25 years if we're sticking to, but a prime Gordon Cowens, yeah, definitely. I mean, the main takeaway from all these answers here in the comments is they're all central midfielders. So that probably tells you everything, doesn't it? No one's saying a prime Jack Grealish or a prime Benteke or anything or Melberg. Everyone suggested a midfielder, which probably says everything about our problems. Ian Taylor, Taylor, Petrov. Yeah, lovely stuff. Hold um, on. Someone's just said my partner's officially pregnant and I've got a congrats message. In your partner's pregnant? What? Well, I'm re- reading the comments, mate. Oh, yeah? From a John Townley? Is this you? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody set up an account with you drinking. Was that just now? Was that from tonight? 
Wait, I don't know that. I mean, I haven't made that account. <laughs> Congratulations, John, on your <laughs> imminent newborn. Um, I don't know, whoever that is who set up that account. Probably says fair play to because that is quite funny. Um, talking about 2010 very quickly. Um, I got this shirt next to me. We were talking about this before we came on air. The 2010 away shirt. Now, unfortunately, the washing machine mangled this and it removed the sponsor. Which, to be honest, if you removed it completely, I wouldn't mind. But you can still see it. So that looks a bit bad. Um, yeah. The reason I bring this up is because we're doing um, the half marathon. So if anyone wants to donate to that, there is a link below. John, how's the training going? Oh, it's going really well. Oh, is it? I haven't started. No, I haven't started. Uh, good. I've been going <laughs> good. to the gym, but I haven't. I haven't been. I haven't been. No real. cardio yet. No, I mean it's not. um, it is a long way away, but I'm very unfit, so I've started early. But the only reason I bring socks, this was in the background while I was record, getting ready to set up, and again, washing machines battered it, but it had a bottle on the back. Um, it's all peeled off, so it looks silly. But I went for a run this well. I did a mile earlier. I don't know why I'm explaining this to be honest. I bought some new trainers. I just wanted to test them out. So I only did a mile. So it doesn't smell or anything. It's basically clean. All right, it's calmed down. But unfortunately, I was channeling 2018 Gabby rather than 2008, 2009 Gabby. I thought I'd be speedy with him on my back. But yeah, it wasn't quite to be. It was okay. I did a mile. It was all right. Um, Matt Davis has commented, absolute panic from the real John Towney at 10.4. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a phone call to make. I mean, this is what we wanted. This is what we said after the um, the Palace game. There was a clip I put on social media saying, I, you know, I felt disengaged with the, the club and it all felt a bit meh and you know, kind of apathy towards it. And to be honest, first half, I felt the same way. <laughs> but we've won a game. We scored some goals. That is all nice and positive. And look at us now, laughing along on a podcast, having, having a laugh and having a joke. And this is what the podcast is supposed to be. I don't want it to be a moan. It's about having a bit of, bit of fun together. His comments are running wild. I don't know. What's <laughs> There's loads of people watching. I can't believe there's so many people here at almost eleven o'clock on a Tuesday night. Um, thank you, thank you, for, thank you very much for tuning into the Clark and Blue podcast, um, John. Thank you very much for jumping back on. Uh, I know you had a, an early shift this morning, so thank you very much for coming back. Um, appreciate your input and your uh, your good positive news tonight as well. Uh, <laughs> always good to see. Uh, loads of people commenting loads of people getting involved so thank you very much as I say um, next episode will probably be Friday uh, when me and Ash will be having a chat after Stephen Gerrard's latest press conference as we look ahead to West Ham and then the uh, West Ham post-match pod on Sunday evening as well which I think you're covering aren't you for Ash yeah West Ham and yeah. Ash yeah, so you'll be in the press box for those two games. So it'll probably be you and Matt Kendrick having a chat for that one. Because um, I'm super duper lazy and I've got the day off. Um, <laughs> should I clarify? Somebody called me lazy. I'm not. I've got a day off. All right, let's just leave it. Um, yeah, thank you very much for watching. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks, John. Congratulations once more. Uh, and we'll see you again in a few days. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.